Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. Triple R acknowledges the Wandajiri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which we operate. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and future, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. G'day. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1325 entitled The Candle and the Flame. Our podcast title is Babble Pod 5. I am Rob Jan and here we are talking about many different things to do with science fiction fantasy and historical radio. We're going to start with a little bit of a space update and just chat about some of the things that are upcoming. It's a big year for space. We have a trio of Martian missions. In February, Mars will welcome the arrival of one, two, and three missions, each launched and operated by a different nation. There's the Hope Orbiter by the United Arab Emirates, the Perseverance rover launched by NASA, and the Tianwen-1 mission with an orbiter, lander and rover launched by China. All three missions will reach Martian orbit in February, with Perseverance making its way to the surface later that month, followed by Tianwen-1 in April. So, yeah, <laughs> lots of things happening for Mars, and it ain't easy to get there. And there have been probes in the past that did not manage to make it. So I think I'll play a track here off of the band OK Go. Now, they do some pretty epic music videos, but uh, this one, well, they actually filmed it in zero gravity at the... um, Yuri Gagarin Cosmonaut Training Center, not on the ground, but they went up in an S7 airliner so that they could do those uh, zero gravity arcs. And there, they um, managed to do it. Of course, you can't actually see the zero G video <laughs> that they filmed here, but you can always go online and look it up. The band is OK Go, and the song is Upside Down. And inside out, I almost said upside down and loving it. Hi, I'm Jannie Wirtz, fantasy author and artist. And whether you walk in the shadows or the light, you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. Yeah, there we were up in space, actually in a zero gravity arc. What do they call it? I can't remember what they call it. <laughs> um, a parabolic arc in a plane, the band OK Go. And they were filming their music video Upside Down and Inside Out back in the day over in Russia, actually in Zero Gravity, which I thought was appropriate for Zero G today. And I am Rob Jan, 
And Megan McHugh. And we are talking about all sorts of things today on Zero G. We started out with a bit of space news. And now as we swelter away on planet Dune, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I need a dose of the spice melange. Make (laughs) Make my eyes turn blue. I'm not quite sure why it does that. I don't know. Anyway, well, I guess it stands out against the sand dunes. Why can't you starve on June, by the way, Megan? Why can't you starve? Hmm. Because I don't know. Of, because of the sandwiches there. <laughs> I was like, I know there's something coming. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Now, um, at the start of the show, I played a little track called See the Sea More. Not the Australian <laughs> town but as in the ocean and looking at it more. And that was by Mira Furlan, and it's from her album Songs from Movies That Have Never Been. And why did we play that today? Well, sadly, the actress Mira Furlan has died and she meant a great deal to genre fans and Mm. Megan and I are going to tell you why. Yes, so Mira Ferlin. So I don't actually, I'm not a Babylon 5 watcher. So I was very interested to have a little, learn a bit more about her and her history. And she's a very fascinating history. I think um, specific, some specific historical periods really ended up bringing her to the United States and got her on our screens in Babylon 5. So it was very interesting for me to have a little bit of a look at her history. So we thought we'd just pay our respects to her today and tell you a little bit about her. I knew once I saw that she she had released that album in 1998, Rob, that we were hopefully going to get a little track from her because you do love to play the music uh, if, you know, someone's uh, one of those slashies, a singer slash actress slash what have you, and she... <laughs> a slashy, she, a slashy. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful with that on Zero G. It's, you know, it's got all sorts of con- connotations. Exactly. It does, it does. But, um, yes, yeah, so... Berlin, that was one of the many things she did in her time. So she sadly passed away on the 20th of January this year. She was 65 years old and it has been shared um, that she has she did die from complications of the West Nile virus, which is transmitted by mosquitoes generally, but it's a bit mysterious about that exact situation, but that's kind of the um, the official statement. Uh, and, yeah, so that was sort of her cause of death there. But let's not focus too much on that and let's celebrate her life. She was very much described by the people who knew and worked with her. It's a very talented, strong and kind woman. She was certainly beloved and uh, a lot of people sort of came out and paid their respects to her on social media, including Babylon 5 creator J. Michael Straczynski, and he said, our friend and comrade had gone down the road where we cannot reach her. I thought that was a very nice uh, nice line. So Mira uh, was married to director Goran Gadzik. Sorry about my pronunciation on that one. They did work together in theatre, and he did direct an episode of Babylon 5 as well, and they had a son called Marco. So let's talk a little bit about what Mira Fallon was known for. So, of course, probably her most well-known role to geeks um, everywhere is as the ambassador. You're going to have to help me on the pronunciation. Is it Ambassador Delen? Delen, yes. Delen. Okay, mm-hmm. good. So didn't didn't ruin that one. No. Uh, and that she was um, a Minbari. So I take it that's an alien species, correct? It is. Great. <laughs> one of the one of the main alien species in the universe of Babylon Five, 
along with the uh, Jakar's race and also um, uh, Londo Malari's Centauri, the the, ah. na- the Narn. <laughs> I've dressed okay. up as a Narn. I should remember the name. <laughs> oh, and also also the Vorlons. But she was one of the three main ambassadors along with Jakar mm. and mm. Um, Londo Malari, who were the ambassadors to Space Station Babylon 5. Mm. What, yeah, so... What happened to the other four? Well, you'll have to watch the series to find all that out. <laughs> and there's enough for you to watch as well because Mira starred in every episode of all five seasons and there were also two movies which she reprised her role as well. So plenty of that content. I'm kind of intrigued by it. From what I read, so it's sort of a... Um, is it a bit of like a United Nations in space, space opera type situation or...? Absolutely. Mm, excellent. It sounds, yeah, it sounds really interesting, actually. Uh, yes, and the, the character of Delenn that she played, she undergoes a physical transformation uh, during the series. So she starts out as this very exotic-looking alien with mm. this, this great bony crest on her head. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in the course of the season, she goes into a cocoon. Oh, <laughs> and, interesting. And, okay. And the bone melts away leaving her with just a sort of a, a comb around of bone around the back of her head mm-hmm. and hair. She gets hair because up before then she had no hair. She was like balding with, oh. with speckles on the head and so on. And they made great play of that when that happened because for the first time she had to deal with hair. <laughs> <laughs> so she had a, a terrible bad hair day. <laughs> uh, so I guess let's talk a little bit about some of her other work before I delve into a little bit bit about her personal life. So she also is very well known uh, because she starred in Lost. So she was Danielle Rousseau in Lost and she was in that show for several seasons as well. I don't really remember Lost very well. Um, well I'm actually interested in a revisit maybe. It's not Lost in my memory. Um, uh, Danielle Rousseau was the crazy French woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and although the manner of her death was quite shocking and kind of throwaway. Um, the actual, <laughs> the performance of her character was fine. And she was crazy because the others from the, from the island in Lost had stolen her daughter. So she oh. was trying to get her back. So, I mean, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. And she was a great character in that. She immediately brought sinew and strength to the, to the, the character of Rousseau. And a little bit of offbeat madness as well because she'd been living in the jungle uh, trying to trap the others and get her daughter mm. back for years. So, you know, she was off off scale a lot of the time. <laughs> you were never Pretty quite meaty sure. role. Yeah, it was actually. Uh, so she also had uh, – she had, was in a role on NCIS and she was actually a voice in the animated Spider-Man series that ran on – played a character called Silver Sable. So I thought that was of interest to us here. And she was a voice in a video game, which I thought was cool. She was a voice in Payday 2, uh, The Butcher. So I actually haven't played Payday 2. I would play it. Maybe this is a, another reason to play it. So, And her one of her more recent series was a web series called Space Command, uh, which I don't know too much about, but uh, she did also appear in that as well. And in addition to the album that we mentioned at the start of the show that you played a track from, Rob, she was also a singer in the band Le Cinema in the early 80s. Uh, So she's done a bit of singing and she's a writer as well. She wrote a play called Until Death Do Us Part, 
which from what I gather was written in Croatian and is set in 1970s Zagreb. And she also did write a series of columns for a Croatian magazine and that was published as a book. And at the time of her death, she was working on an autobiography as well. So she definitely was dabbling in a lot of different things. So we are talking today about Mira Ferlin of Babylon 5 and many other things. And so she was originally born in Zagreb in Croatia at the time Yugoslavia. And she's from an academic family and she attended the Academy for Dramatic Arts in Zagreb. And she did begin her career in Croatia. She starred in TV, theatre, films and so on. And she studied languages as well and became fluent in English, French and German. And she worked uh, in various theatre companies uh, in Croatia and also in Belgrade. So she kind of, I guess you'd say this is one of her big breaks. She was in a film called When Father Was Away on Business. That was in 1985. And it won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival in 1985 and did get a nod from the Academy for Best Foreign Language Film as well. So she kind of breaks onto the scene then. But sadly, because of the unrest and civil war that was happening uh, at the time in her home country, so she had to flee that turmoil and it was also a bit wrapped up in um, she was sort of targeted as well because she was working across borders and so on and theatre companies were saying, no, you can't work here anymore and she refused to bow to that pressure and then they ended up, her and her husband had to leave the country and they came to New York and that was in 1991. And so when she arrived in New York City, she did become a member of the actors, the famous actors studio. That was in 1992, did a bit of theatre here and there. And then she said that an agent wanted to send her on a couple of auditions just for for a trial purpose. And it ended up that one of them was Babylon 5. (laughs) And she was really happy about that. So she says, quote, um, and one of them was Babylon 5. So it was kind of a miracle. So I think they were really searching for her. She was searching to put roots in uh, America and and get a career going. So Babylon 5 came along and and there you have it. The rest is history. (laughs) Um, She did return to Croatia in the early 2000s and she starred in some theatre over there, a production of Euripides' Medea. Hope I didn't (laughs) butcher that. And (laughs) so it does seem like she was um, getting a bit more in touch with her Croatian roots as well in the later years or in more recent decades. And I do have here a nice excerpt that was posted on her social media and it's sort of been vetted by her manager and so on and it's from the autobiography that she was writing. So I thought I would just read that out because I think it's a very nice um, tribute and it's in her exact words as well. So uh, I look at the stars. It's a clear night and the Milky Way seems so near. That's where I'll be going soon. We're all star stuff, I suddenly remember Delenn's line from Joe's script. Not a bad prospect. I am not afraid. In the meantime, let me close my eyes and sense the beauty around me and take that breath under the dark sky full of stars. Breathe in, breathe out. That's all. Hmm. So I thought that was lovely. So that's sort of um, just a little bit of um, Mira Furlan's history and her work. And I'm sure there's a lot of Babylon 5 fans out there who are have sort of a bit sad about her passing, but it sounds like the cast was still very close Mm. and kept in touch quite a lot. And I think it's really nice when maybe you work on a show or a movie and everybody's still a sense of family and they still stay in touch. So it seems quite quite nice that I think um, there's a lot of people that have paid tribute to her and she sounds like a very talented and lovely woman. 
Yeah, it's uh, sadly a, a fair number of the main cast of Babylon 5 are no longer with us, mm-hmm. uh, which is tragically unfortunate. Uh, it was a, a hell of a show back in the day. It was mm-hmm. as big as as Star Trek and, you know, it was definitely a rival. Span mm-hmm. off into a, a series called Crusade oh, and okay. uh, some um, movies, uh, telly movies, Legends of the Rangers and so on. Mm, mm, you know, mm. There were comic books, there were model kits, there were action yeah. figures, the whole lot. Yeah, big yeah. fandom, big fandom. Yeah. And um, uh, Ferland's character of Delenn was a, a favourite of mine and a favourite of my partner's too, Gail. Mm. She costumed up as her and, and made no. the, the bone on the back of the head. and The, the, the hair version or the previous bald version? A bit of both, actually. I think she did both of them one stage Uh, and I did I I dressed up as Jakar and um, and uh, and Ambassador Kosh as well and all that was so much fun back in the day Babylon 5 was such Mm. beautiful production design as well as the most elegant scripts and dialogue and the quote that she um, that that you read out before about star stuff comes from an episode of Babylon 5 and also from Carl Sagan so that was being quoted down Mm. on for Mm. eternity So I do actually have some um, Delenn dialogue here for us. Great. And this is from a Babylon 5 episode, and I'll just set the scene for you. Things are not going well on Babylon 5, and Mm -hmm. the commander John Sheridan is is in charge of it, and he's trying to work this cosmopolitan space station, but they're in the middle of of a fairly hideous galactic war that's brewing. And mm. he's actually had to choose between the greater galaxy and his home planet of Earth. Now, Earth, Thor's is not particularly happy about that. And so EarthGov has sent a, a fleet of ships to attack Babylon 5 or to, let's, let's say, to negotiate fiercely with Sheridan. <laughs> and he has to... He, is in a tight spot there. They're a space station. They're not moving around. They have their own mm. defence fighter craft and stuff, but they're not going to be able to stand up to a full-on assault yeah. from uh, from warships unless they have help. Oh. And Delenn, the Minbari ambassador, calls in her ships. Oh. Now, Earth and Minbar have a history. Mm-hmm. They, they fought this massive battle and the Earth was on its last legs, on its knees when something happened to save them. Mm-hmm. But you do not want to pick a fight with the Minbari, especially mm-hmm. not Delenn. Now, she had her gentler, softer moments and she was a very wise character on the show and she was very quotable too, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you didn't want to push her too far. Right. <laughs> so let's let's have this uh, this little bit of dialogue from Babylon Five, where Delenn draws a line. <laughs> In the marmalade forest, forest, between the make-believe trees. G'day, I'm Brent McKenzie. I played an In elf in Lord of the Rings. My dad played Ellen Dolby King. You're listening to Zero G on Three Triple R, and I have one thing to say. My name is Figwit the Elf. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I always love that line. If you value your lies, be somewhere else. <laughs> ah, farewell, Delenn and Mira Ferlin. Hmm. A fine might be, actress. 
might be a nice opportunity if you're a Babylon 5 fan to revisit the series or it might even get some new people watching as well. Like I wouldn't mind checking it out. So I think it might be a nice way to, yeah, remember her and um, pay tribute. It was a special science fiction show. It was the expanse of its day. Oh, okay. Hmm. Very nice. All right, so I'll play another track right now from Amelia Furlan's discography. And in this case, it's an album called The B, that's B-E, The B-5. And she got together with um, other people from the Babylon 5 cast, (laughs) including uh, Claudia Christian and um, Bill Moomy. Bill Moomy had his own musical career. You may also know him as, um, because he was one of the the ambassadorial staff aboard Babylon Mm. 5, Amin Bari. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was his name? Lanier. And uh, Bill Moomy has his own musical career, but also was Will Robinson in the original Lost in Space. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, they all got together and uh, put together some tracks. And Mira (laughs) Furlan's one is I Don't Know Who You Are, but we know who she is now. I am Jim Michael Strudsky, creator of Babylon 5, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Who are you and what do you want? Oh, <laughs> there we go. Mira Furlan with her song, I Don't Know Who You Are, from The B5, which is just a neat little celebrity group. Yeah. Made up of the cast of Babylon 5. So many of them now... No longer with us. No longer with us, yeah, very sad. But, of course, with the magic of... Recordings, both audio mm. and visual, and everything in between, we can still bring them to virtual life. All right, still out in space. Mm. Star Trek Disco. And <laughs> by the way, uh, Mira Furlan had a passion for rock and roll when she was a teenager in Croatia. So, you know, mm. it's no wonder. And I, I'm pleased that she actually got to lay down a few tracks. Now, all 13 episodes of season three of Disco have now dropped on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, 900 years into the Federation's future, the USS Mm. Discovery and her plucky crew uh, (laughs) trying to help stitch back together what's left of Starfleet after the catastrophic galaxy-wide disaster known as The Burn, which has got nothing to do with Michael Burnham, the character. It caused all of the dilithium in warp cores on ships to detonate, basically crippling interstellar flight for centuries. Oof. Although I do wonder, did they use dilithium in their uh, planet-bound um, antimatter-matter reactors as well? Or was it only something you used for warp travel? Because if it was on planets too, imagine that. Mm. Yeah, quite the impact. Yes, quite literally. Now, this episode, the 13th one, was directed by... Ola Tunde Osunsami, and they're an American film and TV director and producer. They worked on Universal's horror film The Fourth Kind and on the dystopian drama, which I think was on TNT, Falling Skies. Mm. It's also worked on Sleepy Hollow, Gotham, and so on. The episode was written by Michelle Paradise, and um, American writer, producer, and actress, and she worked on the originals and um, a spin-off of the Vampire Diaries, which is what the originals was, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I never watched The Vampire Diaries. That one went past I've me. I've dabbled. I dabbled in a bit of it, yeah. Some of the later seasons, I wasn't a big fan. I mean, just through, I, I never, I never started it, so I never became, yeah. But I'm familiar with it, and yeah, I remember that spin-off, bit of a period kind of set spin-off, oh, yeah. I think. Okay. Mm, so. But she's a pretty, a pretty cool writer, and she had to be because there were so many strands and themes and arcs coming wound up together in this yeah. final episode. Mm. Well, they found the cause of the burn, and they stopped it from happening again. And nice. these are spoilers, so, yes. you know. And they sent the Emperor of the Mirror Universe back in time, presumably to inhabit her own spin-off show. <laughs> Excellent. And we still don't know why uh, Book's cat, Grudge, the ginormous Moggy, is mm-hmm. so important. But I guess we'll find out someday perhaps when she coughs up an infinity stone or something like that. <laughs> Space cats. <laughs> They're everywhere. The, the Emerald Chain Space Gangster organisation fell apart after its leader, Osira, was killed by Michael Burnham. Uh, planets began to once again rejoin the Federation and Discovery set out to bring Dilithium to planets that have been cut off from the burn. So very much a feeling of, of uh, the Discovery manages to rebuild everything you know mm, 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 uh, and, and that was very pleasant it was very very star trek in feeling you yeah know? and um the, at the conclusion of the episode um uh, that hope is you and it was a two-parter um captain saru the kelpian mm-hmm. doug jones's amazing character <laughs> and he actually got to play uh saru Without all of the makeup and the, the oh. uh, micro stilts that he wears and the whole yeah, thing, yeah, uh, yeah, when he was in a hollow deck episode, and it manifested in him as human, but Doug Jones still played it <laughs> as Saru, and it was wonderful to see. He is such a an invisible actor because he is the suit man. You know, mm. he's been in so many different things. And yeah. I, just hats off to him. He should be winning Emmys. Yeah. You know, even if it's just for suffering. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, actually, he deserves it. He's a great actor. You, you can, I could watch him all day and have done in Discovery, actually, and so many other things. Anyway, um, he's actually – the character of Saru has actually gone to his home planet of Kamina to look after a Kelpian refugee and um, sort of show him the ropes in that society. Although it's 900 years on, so things might have changed quite a bit. They may no longer be wearing platform hooves on their feet. I don't know. (laughs) So hopefully they're going to bring him back, and I'm pretty sure they would. He's very popular. Where are your action figures, Star Trek Discovery? (laughs) Where are they? It's it's three seasons in. Uh, Anyway, uh, there is a fourth season. Mm -hmm. Nice. Which will no doubt explore... The newly fledged captain of the Discovery's adventures, Michael Burnham, mm-hmm. has been named captain. Uh, her command path has been quite wobbly <laughs> <laughs> from starting a war with the Klingons in the first season to illegally travelling through time. And, and she is the most <laughs> insubordinate Starfleet officer I've ever seen. Um, even uh, well, no, actually, she is pretty much the top of the line there. 
And so I guess that's why they made a captain finally. <laughs> She's earned it through her rebellion. No, she just can't serve under anyone. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to be tuk tuk. Yeah, at least on the Discovery. So, yeah, um, before you can say black alert and engage the spore drive, we'll be into a new season of Discovery. And it's obviously going to be really difficult for them to do, to film. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're having a whole lot of evolutions of the whole COVID-19 pandemic yeah. procedure yeah. that you have to do when you're filming something. Although it does help that they're, I think they're filming in um, in Toronto. Okay. So, yeah. you know, not quite as, as hellacious in, as in... Um, uh, in our poor United States. Uh, and I do believe they're bringing back David Cronenberg. Oh. Playing his character of Kovic once again, which is so cool. I mean, it seems to be a thing at the moment. You've got directors all over the place. You've got Werner Herzog in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, and... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the fourth season when they get to it. And I've also heard, speaking of The Mandalorian, that they've used, uh, that CBS, who does some um, Star Trek Discovery, mm. they've constructed a video wall like, ah, like yep, The Mandalorian. the technology. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Which is actually um, quite COVID-friendly because it means you don't have to have as many people um, on the set when you're doing That's it. smart. Mm. So, yeah, Star Trek Disco. Season three, I, I thought they acquitted themselves quite well. It landed reasonably well. It was a bit diehard in space <laughs> as Michael Burnham and the crew of the Discovery fought off the the, uh, the hijackers who'd taken the ship. Uh, mm. and, and, you know, you, you get to, into the stage where you're thinking that Burnham can do practically anything. <laughs> Except maybe stem those tears. She cries an awful lot. <laughs> and it has been noted by fandom in general. And then I thought about it. She grew up on Vulcan. Where she had to be like, you know, Spockier mm. than Spock. Yeah, it's all coming out now. That's what I figure. Mm. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> oh, dear. At least, hey, look, at least at least they're not making um, Ensign Tilly suddenly captain of the ship. Oh, wait, they did that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. It's not my chain of command. <laughs> Why should I care how it works? You know, needs must and uh, things happen in space. Mm. All right, now... I thought I'd play a track here. It'll be our Bowie of the day. And David Bowie has all sorts of Star Trek connections, which we've been over before. But, of course, his wife, Iman, Mm -hmm. uh, she appeared in director Nicholas Meyer's Star Trek movie, the sixth in the original series, but his second one after Roth of Khan, uh, Mm -hmm. subtitled The Undiscovered Country, very Hamlet-y. Um, and you haven't heard Hamlet until you've heard it in the original Klingon. Uh, Iman played an alien shapeshifter imprisoned on the Klingon prison planet of Rura Pente. And Captain Kirk was quite taken with her. And she, in turn, took Kirk's shape. Oh. <laughs> One of those things. Uh, imitation being the sneakiest form of flattery in space. Anyway, in the Star Trek short film Children of Mars, which led into the recent series Star Trek Picard, um, Gabrielle Byrne, uh, sorry, not Gabrielle Byrne, um, uh, Peter Gabriel. <laughs> I got Gabrielle Byrne on my mind because I was watching uh, War of the Worlds. Um, he did a haunting cover of the Bowie Eno song Heroes. So they play this in, uh, in the short trek Children of Mars uh, over a fight between two schoolgirls on the Red Planet uh, mm-hmm. whose little stoush is interrupted by news that rogue starships have attacked the colony, quite possibly killing both sets of parents. 
and their quarrel is forgotten and they sit in stunned mutual silence, <laughs> um, comforting each other. Truly a, a Star Trek moment. And that leads into the Star Trek Picard series in its own uh, way. I've actually... Uh, I've actually it. it's, uh, these are wonderful little things that they pop in between seasons. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I thought I'd play, since you know we've got a Bowie connection, Iman and all that sort of stuff, we'll play Heroes. You know, mm. They don't get more heroic than Captain Kirk, or do they? There's, there, who is your favourite character in the Star Trek universe who's commanded a ship or a space station? Oh, wars have been fought over that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go with Heroes, with Peter Gabriel's cover of the Bowie and, you know, um, original... Uh, hi, this is Jim Beaver. I play Bobby Singer on the TV series Supernatural, and you're listening to 3 Triple R FM Zero G, you idiots. <laughs> ah, Peter Gabriel with Heroes. Mm-hmm. Not Gabriel. Great Byrne. cover. Not Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> Although, <laughs> Zero G being what it is, now I want to go and see if Gabriel Byrne has done any tracks. <laughs> Might have. He might have. He might have. Yeah, it's possible. You never know in the big galaxy. Now, uh, somebody who died last year that we never really had occasion to talk about, and I feel mm. we should redress that balance. Mm. And mm. it's, it's kind of odd because muscle memory uh, after the track made me pull my mask up, my, my breath, you know, <laughs> my uh, anti-pandemic mask. And Mm-mm. and now I feel like going. <laughs> you should not have come back, old man. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, of course we are talking about David Charles Prowse, who has an MBE too, by the way. I didn't know that. that. Born on the first of July, nineteen thirty-five, and died on the twenty-eighth of November last year. Uh, Darth Vader, essentially. Yeah. That was his claim to fame, amongst other things. English bodybuilder, weightlifter, and, of course, an actor who had appeared in actually many films and television shows. Born in mm-hmm. Bristol, and um, that also explains his uh, broad accent. Mm-hmm. And he got a scholarship to Bristol Grammar School, and he was quite tall, so he was like six foot six inches. Um, well, which is be the, the thing that helped with his physicality in the roles. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he got an interest in bodybuilding and happened to uh, get a job as a bouncer. Oh. Not many uh, things happened at that particular place, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> uh, that's where he met his wife, actually, his future wife. And he worked at swimming pools and uh, he won a, a weightlifting um, championship, the heavyweight weightlifting championship in 1961 in Britain and then mm-hmm. went to work for a, a weightlifting company, as you do. You know how you sort of, you, you sort of patch together your career for <laughs> yeah. things? And the more you do, the more you get to do. He even won, um, he, he came over to uh, um, Perth to be oh. in the uh, 1962 British Empire and Commonwealth Games. To represent England there. And, of course, you know, he physically portrayed Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy. That's kind of complicated. Very. (laughs) Because, okay, his voice is not in that series. It's James Earl Jones. And the stunt fighting is being done by one of the great Hollywood swordsmen, Bob Anderson. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at the end of um, Return of the Jedi, it's not his face. Nope. <laughs> and they take the helmet <laughs> off. It's um, Pedro Pascal. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> this is not the way. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And, um, you know, even, you know, throughout and then when they were doing special editions, they put somebody else's face in. Mm, uh, mm, and, mm. and then, of course, when, when um, Anakin Skywalker comes along, that's a different – two different actors, one as a child, one as a grown-up. Yep. There's been a lot of people in that helmet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope they washed it out between between the occupants. Actually, <laughs> um, Dave Frouse was saying that uh, – and I, I, I met him at a convention once in Australia. Oh. He, he was saying that <laughs> – that, Okay, he, he and uh, the Grand Moff Tarkin have just blown up Alderaan, you know, and he knows he can't be – his face is not being seen on screen, so behind the mask as the planet's blowing up, he's giggling and laughing. <laughs> it's like, oh, what a monster. <laughs> but he was, he was a, a very personable fellow uh, and, mm. and, my God, he was tall. Mm. You know, I, I was sitting at uh, – at breakfast at a convention with him and he was sitting down and he was still taller than I was standing up. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God. Okay, so um, he also did a lot of fan conventions and mm. in a couple of fan films as well. Uh, oh, cool. And did the whole convention circuit and that. Did have a falling out with Lucasfilms um, okay. and... Necessarily, sort of reconcile. Although um, George Lucas said some very nice things about him um, as a in memoriam, and mm. other things along the way that I didn't know that he'd been in. Like um, he helped to train Christopher Lee for Superman in 1978. Uh, he actually wanted to be Superman, but um, passed him over. Uh, and well, I mean, you know, Clark Kent was a farmer, you know, so. <laughs> They, that's what Carrie Fisher called Dave Prowse, um, um, you know, the farmer Vader <laughs> because <laughs> of his, his accent. Um, and he trained Carrie Eels for his role as Wesley in The Princess Bride too. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so he did a lot of that sort of stuff. You know, like he was um, at Harrods, he worked as a fitness consultant and they called him Jack the Ripper because he'd rip phone books up. <laughs> You know, I don't know really. if that's the origin of the name, but sure, I see what they were going for. Yeah, and he had his own uh, gyms, the Dave Prowse Fitness Centre, to which um, other celebrities flocked, like Arnie popped up there and uh, Peter Davison and his wife Sandra Dickinson, uh, Doctor Who and um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and so on. Uh, you know, so he was, he was so well built that he became mm. the Green Cross Man, which was um, – a superhero that they had for a road safety campaign in uh, 1975. And that's what he got his um, MBE for, for, uh, you know, services to keeping children safe. So, you know, we we played that track Heroes, which might be inappropriate for Darth Vader, but (laughs) for the Green Cross man, entirely appropriate. And I kept running across his performances in different films. Like he played Frankenstein several times. Oh, sorry, (laughs) The Monster. Frankenstein's monster, yeah. <laughs> fancy, fancy me doing that shorthand uh, in the uh, in the um, James Bond spoof Casino Royale in 1967, and the horror of Frankenstein movie and so on. Um, but I also remember him as uh, Julian, the the um, the assistant in 
a clockwork orange. Ah. ah yeah. He's the big guy who carries the, the, the fella in the wheelchair around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Remember that one? Um, Gosh. In Vampire Circus, he played another strong man. He was in a, doc- a Doctor Who episode playing a minotaur in the episode oh. The Time Monster. Uh, and like Doug Jones, a lot of these are thankless sort of tasks where you don't actually get a line or anything. Mm. Um, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell was another one. Uh, and one that I remember in particular in the uh, the Callan movie, I think in 1974, this is one with um, Edward Woodward playing the the disaffected uh, and quite quite lethal British secret agent, mm. uh, sort of a... a a James Bond character with a definite license to kill. And, you know, Callan uh, retires from the business and, and gets a little bit soft and right. has to train himself up when it comes back at him again. And Dave Prowse plays the muscle ah. who fights against him at one stage and Callan puts him down dead with one blow, you cool. know. Although probably <laughs> Dave Prowse could have tied him up in knots with one hand, basically, you know. Uh, he was also in Space 1999 in an episode called The Beta Cloud. Again, under a whole bunch of rubber and a big monster mm-hmm. costume. costume. Jabberwocky, he was um, uh, red herring and black knights in that. The People <laughs> That Time Forgot, one of those Doug McClure ones. I did see him in As You Like It. Uh, huh. in um, a BBC sh- television Shakespeare. And, of course, all of the those free Star Wars movies to begin with, as well as a, a few other things, documentaries and so on. For old Dave Prowse did have arthritis for much of his life, which wow. is remarkable given how much um, uh, weightlifting and, uh, and mm. bodybuilding he did, which sort of um, tamped it down for a while. Uh, he uh, He was telling us at the convention that I went to, and um, eventually uh, he, his left arm, left arm was paralysed and then his right arm, and this is in the, mm. the 2000s, and he got infected with septic arthritis and, and uh, he had a lot of surgery. And, and even then he still was working with um, um, multiple arthritis organisations. So, right. Oh. Yeah, so he kept going. Got uh, prostate cancer, radiation therapy and so on and... Uh, eventually died in um, last year. So, yeah, he was aged 85, um, short, unspecified illness. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Dave Prowse, one of the Darth Vaders, but, you know, the, the physical presence of the man yeah. was undeniable. Yeah. And and you have to say, you know, the body English of the character is, is, yeah. is distinctive. Mm-hmm. Or the body West County accent, which is <laughs> he had this little little ditty that he used to sing. Um, I can't do the accent. I'm not going to try. But he used to say, uh, Star Wars made me a fortune, paid off my mortgage, bought me a car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed. All right. So I think we will memorialise him with uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Ooh. Back. And this Good is one. the Vienna Philharmonic and John Williams. I, I haven't played this too often. And um, I'll just let you know where you are and uh, what you're listening to again um, on 3RRR FM.
Hi, I'm Jerry Doyle. I play Security Chief Michael Garibaldi on Babylon 5. Now, listening to Zero G on three triple R is number 452 on my list of all-time favorite things to do. Actually, Paul and Rob asked me to say number one, but I've got my principles. You got a problem with that? Absolutely not. Uh, until next week, Sophie's coming up next with Astral Glamour. And thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Off we go with the Empire. <laughs> I don't feel like marching. It's too hot for that. <laughs> Can we just sort of saunter <laughs> off into the... Drag myself along. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even Pedro Pascal would take his helmet off in this weather. I am absolutely <laughs> sure of that. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.